how to optimize your podcasting studio for video. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 240. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Check it out over at theaudacitytopodcast.com. And there is an exciting new free webinar coming up this week about using Instagram to grow your podcast, get sponsors, grow your email list, and much more. Check that out at podcastersociety.com. I'll tell you more about that later on in the episode. In the last episode, number 239, which you can get in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash studio audio, I talked about how to optimize your podcasting studio for audio. There are a lot of important things about audio that will come back in this episode as I talk about video. But do remember that video adds several new layers of complexity over your audio. Everything about audio still applies to video and then a lot more. It's more than simply two dimensions versus three dimensions. It's really almost two dimensions versus four or five dimensions when you step into video. Nonetheless, you can do video and quality video on a budget and get some great results. So if you'd like to follow along in the show notes for this episode, number 240, it's at slash studio video. First, number one tip, choose your video style or styles. The style that you choose for your video does drastically affect your needs for that video. For example, if you have many hosts with your podcast or video show that you're doing, then that could influence how many cameras you need and certainly how many microphones that you need. One microphone may be fine for you as a solo host, but then the same kind of microphone might not work well if you're sharing it with a co-host. Or maybe you need a different kind of microphone that works well with a co-host, but that doesn't work well with a solo show. There may also be things like maybe you want to have a virtual set behind you and then you need to consider green screen and what kind of things come along with making a green screen and chroma key and all of that stuff. Or maybe you want to demonstrate products and items, physical items. So you need a surface, a table in front of you, and that might need to be table height where you're sitting at that table, or maybe it would be better for you to be standing. So then that means you need a counter height table or something that you can raise and lower. Maybe you also want to have a separate overhead camera for unboxing shots or to demonstrate your product or or even a product-specific camera which is focused on a certain portion of the table so that when you're talking about a product, you can cut to that camera view and see that product up close. It's a lot easier to edit when you film all of this stuff at the same time instead of going back and then recording your B-roll footage to support what you're saying in the video. But that means you have to have more cameras. You might need more microphones. You might need a bigger setup depending on the style of video that you want to shoot. And your quote studio unquote. And remember, I'm using the phrase like last episode that studio is simply the space you're recording in. 
It doesn't have to be something fancy. It doesn't mean you spent thousands of dollars to make this the perfect video studio. It's simply your space for recording audio and video. So your studio may not work for every kind of video style that you can imagine, but you can decide on the styles that can work with the space or decide first on the styles you want to do and then try to make this space fit that style of video. That's number one, choose your video styles. And if you want to follow along in the show notes, these six tips that I'm sharing with you are at the audacity to podcast.com slash studio video. Number two, optimize for audio. You've probably heard me say it a lot. Audio is the most important quality factor for video. If people can't hear you, then it won't matter how good your video looks because they can't receive your message unless you're giving the message via sign language or text on the screen, something like that. But they need to be able to hear you as well as possible. People can often forgive bad video quality as long as they can hear you well. But it's very difficult to forgive bad audio quality in video. So I recommend that you go back to my previous episode, and I have a link to it in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash studio video. In that episode, I talked about how to optimize your podcasting studio for good audio. The six tips I shared there are number one, move away from the noise. Number two, move the noise away from you. Number three, stop using noisy things. Number four, point your microphone away from the noise. Number five, reduce reverb. And number six, consider your in-studio co-hosts. I'm going through a lot of these decisions all over again now that I have just moved into a brand new space for my studio. I have signed a lease for some office space in Northern Kentucky and some space that will give me new flexibility, the option to do new great things. I'm really excited about it was in the budget to be able to afford something like this, but I can't outfit it with thousands of dollars of audio treatment and everything. So I'm going through all of these same steps of setting up a quality audio studio as well as a quality video studio. And that's why I'm sharing this little miniature series with you of setting up your studio for audio, video, and other things I'll be covering in the next couple episodes. So you need to focus on making your audio great for your video. And the space or the studio that you use can affect that. And a video podcasting studio means uh, that the extra complexity above what an audio podcasting studio would be. Video needs are usually different from audio needs. Like when you're recording audio alone, it's okay if you have a really large microphone in your face and close to your mouth, like I'm doing right now in the audio recording of this podcast. But when I live stream this show on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live. It's fun to watch the video, but I wouldn't want to make this an official video episode because there's this really big microphone in my face. It's covering my face. It's covering the background and it's covering props and things. And I can't really do a whole lot with this big microphone in front of me. I can't easily demonstrate products or swing my arms around as much as I might want to, but it does produce really good audio and it doesn't look good in video as much. So that could then be distracting if you try to use the exact same audio equipment for your video. Instead, go back to my first point where I mentioned 
choose the video style. Think about what kind of video it is you want to make, how you're going to go about recording that video, and that influences the kind of microphone that you need. Typically, you might be considering some kind of worn microphone, like a lavalier microphone or maybe a headset microphone, or it could be a shotgun microphone. Shotgun microphones often produce better audio when they're placed well, but they don't give you very much flexibility because you need to stay in a specific area. A lavalier microphone, on the other hand, may be a lot more versatile because you're wearing it so you can move around and it's still picking up your voice. But there are certain limitations there, like turning your head may mean that the microphone picks you up less and there might be clothing, rustling, or the microphone is visible in the shot, which is usually fine if you're talking to the audience and you're not trying to record or document something that's supposed to look like everyone else is watching as if it's a TV show. So think about what fits your style and also what fits your budget for your podcast. Almost any other microphone will be better than the microphone built into your camera. No matter how good your camera is, the farther you get away from that microphone, the worse the audio will sound. If you can't get a microphone that's optimized for video, like a lavalier microphone or a shotgun microphone, and you can't position it close enough to you, then there are some creative things that you could do. Like you could use your regular studio microphone and bring it close to you, maybe not as close as you're used to doing for your normal audio podcast, but it's still close, maybe six inches away from your mouth or eight inches away from your mouth, and then frame your video shot very tightly so that the microphone isn't even visible. They see primarily your head, but then your great microphone is picking up your voice. You could also try to hide your microphone behind some kind of prop, depending on what your setup is for your video. And if you go to the show notes over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash studio video, I have a bunch of videos in there that demonstrate several of these different points and techniques that I'm talking about. For example, one of my very first videos with my new camera and I got a very basic uh, lighting kit, like super basic. It was really simply light bulbs that were very bright, and I plugged them into a house lamp. But in this video, before I had a lavalier microphone, I used my Heil PR40 just barely out of frame. And that worked pretty well, and it gave the nice audio quality of the PR40, but my video frame did have to be very close around my face, which might be fine if you're watching on a small screen, but if you're watching on a TV... My face being that big might just be a bit too much Daniel for you. Then I also have another video where it's I and one of my co-hosts, Jeremy, doing an unboxing of the Once Upon a Time Season 3 DVDs and Blu-rays. And we're using two Heil PR40s, but those PR40s are just out of the frame. So they're farther away from us, but it worked pretty decently, much better than if I'd used the microphone built into the cameras. And then I also have some other videos there where I did use some lavalier microphones, like either a solo video where I was wearing a lavalier microphone, however that microphone was out of frame, hidden in my shirt pocket, which isn't really even that visible in the video. And then there's another video where it's I and my co-host again doing an unboxing of the fourth season of Once Upon a Time, and we're both wearing lavalier microphones. However, one of us forgot to turn off a device 
and it caused some interference in my microphone, but not the other microphone. So don't judge it by the buzz if you hear the buzz in it. But still, check it out and recognize that, yes, you can see the microphone. That's fine, because in that video, we're talking to you, the audience. And it's fine for a microphone to be visible when you're talking to the audience. So does your audio need to be perfect? No, it doesn't. But I do think you need to try and make it as good as possible. And at all, if possible, avoid using the built-in microphone with your camera. Use something else, even if it means using your portable audio recorder, like a Zoom H1 or Zoom H4n or Roland or something like that, but getting it close to you recording. And all you have to do is turn on the microphone on the camera turn on the microphone on your recorder, record it, and before you start your actual podcast, have a couple claps in there that will make some nice spikes. So just a some nice audio spikes that are short and sharp. And then you can align those in your video editing software when you bring in your audio track from a different device, line it up to the audio in your video, then mute the audio in your video. So now you're using only the audio from your other device. I do this all of the time because I don't have a good system for getting my audio from good quality microphones or lavalier microphones into my video camera without it introducing some extra hiss because video camera preamps aren't that great if you plug a microphone directly into them. And I don't have a wireless system yet. I I hope to get one soon. But until then, I'm recording my audio separately from my video and I align it afterward and then do my edits. And it turns out really well. So this is number two, optimize for audio. Number three tip for optimizing your studio for good video is give yourself enough space. You can record an audio podcast in really any kind of space. It could be inside of your car. It could be in your closet, literally, with only a couple or a few square feet of space. And that can work perfectly for an audio podcast. You can't really do that very well with video. It won't look very good in the video. It could sound great, but look horrible. Think about all of the video equipment that you might be using, like cameras or backdrops, lighting props, backgrounds, uh, or a table or counter or anything like that that's part of this video with you, and also your co-host, and their need to be in the video shot with you most likely. That all takes up space. And if you also want a nice depth of focus, and that is where the background is blurry while you remain in focus, and it gives you a really neat professional look to your video, then you need to have more space between you and the background so that way the camera can focus more on you and focus less on the background, thus blurring the background and making that nice contrast in the sharpness and focus. The lenses and camera that you use could also affect how much space that you need for your video. For example, a 50mm lens is a very popular thing for cameras. They're often called prime lenses or standard lenses, but 50mm can look great. And one of the reasons 50mm are so popular is, for one, they are usually pretty small and provide a great wide aperture that gives some really nice depth of focus or depth of field or bokeh effect, as some people say. And that's the blurred background while the foreground is in sharp focus. 
The other reason that 50 millimeter lenses are very popular is that they are very close to the focal length of our actual eyes. So you know on a camera you can zoom in and out pretty regularly and that is an optical zoom where it's shifting the lenses around. We can't do that with our eyes. And the way things look actually changes based on the focal length. If you stand back and zoom in on something, it will look more flat than if you're zoomed out and up closer to that thing. The depth of focus will be different. A lot of things will be different. And actually, how much background you see will be different based on how close and zoomed out you are versus how far and zoomed in you are. So the focal length of the lens matters. And a 50 millimeter lens is very popular because it's about the same focal length as our eyes. Our eyes are somewhere in that 40 to 50 range. So it's very close to the same thing that we see. The problem with these great lenses can occur when you're putting a 50 millimeter lens on what's often called a cropped sensor camera. And this is pretty much any digital camera with interchangeable lenses that's below $2,000. A full frame camera is one that is not cropped. And then most of the others, if it says APS-C sensor or something like that, crop sensor, micro four thirds, something like that, it's usually a smaller sensor. So what happens is when you're projecting a larger image on a small sensor, the small sensor essentially crops it, which ends up giving you a magnification factor. And the actual magnification factor varies based on your camera and the manufacturer. But for example, Nikon is somewhere around 1.5 and Canon is somewhere around 1.6. So take a 50 millimeter lens, put it on one of those cameras, like a digital rebel, the kind of camera that I currently use. And that 50 millimeter lens turns into a 75 or 80 millimeter lens. Thus, it's zoomed in more, changing the focal length, changing the way that it looks in the video. But it also means that because it's zoomed in more, I need to move my camera farther back in order to get as much in the frame. Thus, I need more space because of the lens and the camera that I chose. On the flip side, you don't want to go necessarily wide angle, too wide, like an 18 millimeter or 12 millimeter or something like that, because then it can start to look uh, fisheye and distorted where there's this bubble in the middle and that can look really weird. It's good for special effects or certain kinds of photography and such, but not so good for video most of the time. I'm usually shooting between uh, somewhere really around 35 to maybe 28 millimeters, somewhere in that range on my crop sensor camera, which really puts me closer around 40 to 50 millimeters. And that gives me enough range to be able to fit everything in the shot and still work with the lens and the camera in the way that I need to. So keep that in mind. The camera or the lens you use could mean you need more space in order to fit into the video what you want to. Sometimes you really can't discover how much space you need until you actually look through the lens for your camera. Don't forget about your vertical space either. Things like lights, shotgun microphones, overhead cameras and such might need more than eight feet of clearance in order to ensure these things stay out of the frame in your camera. Yes, you can do certain editing later, like to block something if it's above you or to the left or right of you, but that vertical space can be very important 
for those things that need to sit over you, like the lights, shotgun mics, and such. Some homes might have a seven-foot ceiling, which is what I had in my basement where I was previously working. That made it kind of difficult sometimes for some of the stuff I wanted to do with certain video shots and such. But the real thing that annoyed me in my house was the ventilation system had this large overhang literally in the middle of the room attached to the ceiling. So that was about two feet of clearance that I lost in that space in the middle of the room. So that meant if I stood under it, I couldn't have anything above me. If I stood in front of it, then it was very difficult to get stuff behind me or to get enough depth with my camera and the layout of the room because I was basically limited to using only half of the room because this big thing was hanging down from the ceiling. That kind of stuff can get in the way. So be cautious of your clearance in your space, your vertical space that you have for recording. In the new space that I just moved to in Northern Kentucky for my studio office, I have now eight feet and there's nothing in the ceiling except some fluorescent lights and water sprinklers. That's it. So I've got plenty of space to be able to put my lights above me, be able to raise my backdrop high enough so you don't see the bar behind me or anything like that. I've got plenty of vertical space to work with it and also plenty of floor space with what I'm planning to do in my video. So I've chosen to upgrade my space completely by moving out. I'll eventually move my studio back to my house when we move to a different house. My wife and I are shopping for a different house where I can build then my office and studio on the property. But until then, we figured it'd be best for me to move and it was in the budget. So this is tip number three, give yourself enough space. Number four, work with lighting. While audio is the most important quality factor for video, lighting is the second most important factor. It's really possible to get great quality video from a cheap camera, even a webcam, when you're using good lighting. I have a couple of videos on the website in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash studio video that demonstrate this. And I made a video specifically demonstrating how I could get great video quality out of my webcam simply based on the lighting that I was using. And it's a radical difference there. You might think that I switched to using a DSLR, but no, it is simply switching the lighting that I was using. If you need a cheap starter lighting kit, there are a couple kits that I can recommend and I have links to them in the show notes for this episode. And one of them I'm using that gives me two soft boxes for horizontal light and then one third softbox that's not as bright, but it's an overhead light, which can be used as a hair light, or I could use it as a third, not as bright softbox. I really like the versatility in that kit. I've also used that overhead boom arm for the light for other things, like having an overhead camera for unboxing videos and some other cool things that I've done in the past. But I also have a link to a cheap lighting kit that gives you three horizontal softboxes if you're interested. And these lighting kits are really not that expensive. Right now, they're under $170 for either of these lighting kits. Great price. They're really cheaply made. Don't expect these to last a long time if you move them around a lot, like travel with them. But if you're keeping them in your space and just moving them around in the room, I think they'll be okay. You might want some extra weights. But even if that's too expensive, and I can understand that if you can't spend $200 on a lighting kit, even if that's too expensive, There are some 
things that you can do to get creative and still end up with great lighting. Like you could face a window on a sunny day, not letting the direct sunlight hit your face, but letting the direct sunlight light up the room. Maybe you reflect it off something white or you diffuse it a little with a white shower curtain or a white bed sheet or white towels or anything that's white, but that can soften it up a little bit more. And then you can get some great light on your face. You do have to wait for a good weather day to do that. And I've done that plenty of times in the past. You could also do something a little bit more creative where you have the brightly lit window on one side, slightly at an angle, where you have then on the opposite angle, maybe a 45 degree angle away from you, you have some home lights giving you maybe a slightly different temperature lighting, maybe just some fill-in light on the other side, or it could simply be a dry erase marker or something like that that's reflecting light from the other side to light you up. I've got a video, one of my very first videos I ever did with my new camera was asking for help in the podcast awards. At that time, I had an open window about 45 degrees to my right, actually kind of to directly to my right and then to my left I was using some really bright daylight temperature CFL bulbs that I bought from a photo store that was going out of business and these bulbs were plugged into a standard house lamp that was all I had and I it worked really well and it looks great there are some things looking back at that that I would think oh, it's it could have been a little bit better. I could have tweaked the shadows here or there, or maybe used a reflector or something like that. Lighting is a science all to itself, but the general idea is that the more light you have pointed at the subject, the better it will look in your videos. Overhead lights, like lights in your room, typically aren't that great because it casts some weird shadows for video, especially shadows in your eyes where your eyebrows are just making your eyes two dark spots on your face and you can get some other weird stuff. So try to have the, the light actually pointing at your face as much as possible. That could even mean simply getting a reflector, which only costs about $10, $20 for a decent circular reflector. And I'll have a link in the show notes and reflecting that overhead light back up onto your face to give a little fill in for your eyes and reduce some of those shadows. You could also look at using things like construction lights. Maybe you have one of those halogen lights that you would use in the garage or a clamp-on light or something like that. Whatever lights that you have, try and work with those to light you or whatever subject you're recording much better than simply using the lights in the room. And that can make your videos look a whole lot better. That's tip number four, work with lighting. Number five, make it comfortable for your needs. Different video styles and presentation styles do come with their own needs. For example, if you're doing a product demonstration video, then it might be best if you're standing behind a counter so that you have the product in easy reach and it's a bit better of an angle than sitting down sometimes. But then again, conversational videos may work really well when you're sitting down. Or a promotional video might work really well if you're standing up and there's nothing in front of you. I have a few more examples in the show notes for this episode, number 240 at com slash studio video. I show a video from my promo for SEO for podcasters, as well as the unboxing video for the Once Upon a Time fourth season, and then my promo video for Podcasters Society 
And that's all in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to watch those and get an idea of different presentation styles and what might be more comfortable for one presentation style over the other. Think about things like how much arm movement do you need to be able to have? And also, if you're going to move your arms, then it's probably best to frame the video so it goes down to about your waist so that if you lift up your hand and show one finger or use your hand or something like that, it's not a floating arm, but people can see the elbow that then is connected to the rest of your body. Or you might need to do something where it's tight on your face and you don't need to use your arms, or maybe you are doing video that only shows a product and then you need to make sure that however you're working with the product is comfortable for you while you're working around the camera and not blocking the camera and the product is staying in focus and all of that. So make sure that it's comfortable for your needs. And you can see the videos that I have for some examples, but there are many other ways to do this. And it also might be important for you to have props in your video, like maybe background elements. If you do a video show about Minecraft, then maybe you have all of this Minecraft paraphernalia behind you and memorabilia and cool stuff that just makes it look really neat. So maybe it's really important for you to frame and orient your shot in a way that people can see all that cool stuff that makes it more comfortable for them and it makes a great environment for you for your video. This is tip number five, make it comfortable for your needs. And tip number six, consider future expansion. Can your studio grow with you? It's kind of like shoes. I remember whenever we would get shoes for me when I was a kid, the first thing my mom would do is she would take her thumb and find the end of my toe and push it down at the end of the shoe to make sure there's a little bit of growth space in there. That way I'm not wearing shoes that are perfectly fitted for me on that day. But then two months or six months from now, I would outgrow them because I was a little growing boy. Now I don't have to worry so much about having room in my shoes to grow into because my feet aren't growing anymore, but my studio does grow. For you, expansion might not be something that's all that possible because maybe your studio is in a spare bedroom, it's in your basement, in your garage, something like that. But there are still some ways that you can consider expanding. Maybe expanding is adding equipment. So if what you're doing works now, what if you get a lighting kit in the future? Can you get a CFL lighting kit, fit that in there where it's going to be a a cheaper lighting kit, but it takes up more space? Or do you need to pay more for something like an LED lighting kit with LED light panels that take up very little space, produce very little heat, but they're also usually more expensive? If you want to start doing a different kind of video, maybe it's been solo for now and now you want to add a co-host, do you have enough space where you can move your camera enough or zoom out so that your co-host is visible? If not, maybe simply changing the angle of your recording could work. Instead of going on a standard parallel length with your video, you could go diagonal where you and your co-host are sitting in a corner and the camera is in another corner. Because basic geometry would tell you that the distance from two parallel lines is less than the distance from those diagonal corners. The diagonal distance there gives you more space to work with. You can put that camera all the way in the corner on one side, and then on the other side, you're filming into that corner. So now you have even more space to work with. 
that can give you some depth of focus. And it also gives you an opportunity to put some cool things on the walls behind you to get some neat low effects and a, a kind of background that has a bit of depth to it instead of being a flat background with props and shelves or whatever. So you get a little bit more angle and something interesting in it. If possible, keep expansion in mind with however you're planning your space. Don't assume that the way that you podcast now will be the way you'll always do it. Leave a little room to grow. That doesn't mean you need to get a 500 square foot office for doing your audio podcast because you may never fill that space. But do try to have a little bit of room to grow as well as get some ideas for if you needed to expand, how could you do it? Even if you don't, you would know how if you ever have that need. So these six tips for how to optimize your podcasting studio for video are number one, choose your video styles. Number two, optimize for audio. Number three, give yourself enough space. Number four, work with lighting. Number five, make it comfortable for your needs. And number six, consider future expansion. Get the links and watch the videos that I mentioned in the show notes for episode 240 at com slash studio video. I also suggest that you subscribe to my video podcast or my YouTube channel because I'm going to be putting out a lot more videos now that I'm in my new space and I'm able to expand and account for the video styles that I want to do more. I'm also going to be showing some behind the scenes videos of setting up my space, how I'm arranging it, certain things I'm trying. Like just this morning, I was trying some things to reduce some noise and some reverb in my recordings that I detected before. I think it helped a little bit. doesn't look all that great, but it helped a little bit. I might next time try to build some little acoustic panels for myself with some basic wood cloth and some foam, something like that. We'll see what works out, what I can afford to do. And I'll be documenting this as I go along. So make sure that you're subscribed to my video show, either on YouTube or iTunes. That way you can see what's going on in my studio space. Maybe share some of your own ideas and maybe get some ideas for how you could work with your own space. The links to all of that are on the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. I want to tell you about the webinar that's coming up on October 22nd. And the replay will be available for only a short amount of time. This is a Podcaster Society webinar. Podcaster Society is my exclusive membership community for podcasters. You must have a podcast already published in iTunes in order to be a member of Podcaster Society. But this is a group of podcasters focused on growing our podcasts from average to amazing. We've got tutorials in there. We've got forums and real-time conversations, exclusive discounts, weekly webinars with different themes to them, a lot of great stuff. The registration for that is opening for only 48 hours starting on October 22nd. On October 22nd, there's also going to be a free webinar with Todd from the podcast, From Founder to CEO. We're going to be talking about Instagram and how he's used Instagram to accomplish some amazing things with his podcast, like more than doubling his Instagram following, getting a podcast sponsor, growing his podcast audience, a lot of really cool, amazing things happening. The raw numbers themselves might not seem too impressive yet, but what he's doing and the results he's seeing are great. He's excited about it. I'm excited about it. 
some great stuff that we'll be talking about in that free webinar. So if you'd like to register for that, then go to podcasterssociety.com to register for that free webinar, and we would love to have you there. And if you're interested in joining Podcaster Society, I highly recommend that you do it during that short 48-hour window that registration will be open. We've got some really cool stuff coming in Podcaster Society, more videos, some more interactions, some more topics in the weekly webinars that cover live Q&A, these special guest interviews, reviewing each other's podcasts, not writing reviews in iTunes, but actually critiquing and constructive criticism, stuff that we can all learn to improve our podcasts and also other training that's done live in these weekly webinars and much more. Check it out at podcasterssociety.com to join the waiting list or to register for the free webinar on October 22nd. I'll be doing a free webinar every month, so make sure that you stay subscribed to my email list or go over there and join the waiting list at podcasterssociety.com for those announcements of the next webinar. I'm really looking forward to that webinar and I'd love to see you there. Once again, that's podcasterssociety.com. If there's something that you think I left out of this in preparing your studio space, and that's in quotation marks, for video, then please comment on the show notes for episode 240 at com slash studio video. I'd love to hear from you what has worked for you, some of the issues you've faced and have overcome some suggestions, some things maybe you agreed or disagreed with, whatever it is, comment there on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash studio video. And that's also where you can get the links and watch the videos that I mentioned in this episode. Please let me know by contacting me through the website at theaudacitypodcast.com if there's stuff you'd like me to cover in a future episode, or if you need me to help you fix or improve your podcast. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcast.com and watch for our upcoming CES 2016 coverage live from Las Vegas. That's all at techpodcast.com.